Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. This is Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly with Shazad Haq. Just over a week to go, Minister for Finance Lawrence Wong will deliver Singapore's budget 2022 statement on February 18th in Parliament at 3.30pm. The Straits Times will be offering live coverage of the announcements. Yeah, they're going to be delivered in Parliament at the time, of course, and we will have that all covered for you. And to help us give you a preview of what to look out for, we've got Zakir Hussein with us, a Singapore editor at The Straits Times. Zakir, thank you very much for joining us. Good to join you again. So, Zakir, tell us, uh, where will the budget speech be available? Well, actually, the speech will be available on the Straits Times website as well as on our social media channels. We do plan to do a live blog as well at the same time if you're on the go. It'll also be um, broadcast live on uh, the Ministry of Finance website as well as on radio stations, I believe. Okay, Zakir, what are you going to be looking out for next week? We know the budget's got a number of themes this year, but what are you particularly put your eye out for? I think two key things. Uh, One key chunk we'll be looking out for would be sort of the tax measures. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been a lot of build-up anticipation. Prime Minister signaled the details of the GST hike will likely be available, uh, the timing of the hike. Um, And apart from the goods and services tax being raised from 7 to 9 percentage points, I think there's also some expectation of an adjustment of some other taxes, including sort of wealth taxes, as well as the carbon tax measures, which uh, will probably be announced. What, what we'll know will be sort of levels to expect over the next few years. In addition to taxes, I think people are also looking out for the sort of offsets or support measures. And I think there's also some anticipation on that front that there might be more given uh, the uncertainty ahead. Zakir, there's also been a fair bit out in the uh, Straits Times today about Singapore's ageing population and, and palliative care. Uh, Are we likely to see this discussed in the budget? I think not directly, but I think it's an issue that will likely be discussed or touched on when Parliament debates the budget about a week after the speech. We've heard that one key reason for the hike in GST is our healthcare costs are going to soar quite a bit as the population ages. You know, support ratios are decreasing, and it's it's sort of one reason why we've moved towards sort of more or less compulsory um, uh, disability insurance for younger cohorts. And I think the issue of palliative care as well mm. as patients, you know, end-of-life care, nursing home options, these are, these are areas of spending that will entail quite considerable costs. And uh, there's a need to sort of consider how these can be funded in a sustainable way. We're speaking with Zaki Hussain, Singapore editor at The Straits Times. And Zaki, we have seen a number of measures. We've seen uh, a number of community hospitals launched here in Singapore as well to handle step-down care. But palliative care is often quite a sensitive issue. And one of the ST articles today highlights that as Singaporeans age, end-of-life care must evolve faster. So what are we looking at and how should end-of-life care evolve here in Singapore? I think we're looking at various options. I think more discussion and greater awareness Mm. of of end-of-life care options, including um, having individuals decide on what forms of care uh, they would prefer or like when they're still in good health and able to make decisions on their own. One other aspect to sort of community care and, and getting caregiver invo- caregivers involved, the easy option would be to, to sort of increase capacity and availability of nursing homes or aged care facilities. Um, but for the most part, I think uh, many of the elderly 
are still able to age in place or age in their homes with family and relatives and caregivers around, so long as maybe someone checks in on them twice a day or, or daily on a more regular basis. And I think some, you know, a, a variation in terms of models of care is probably what will help keep costs uh, manageable, uh, at least for the bulk of the population. And at the same time, I think allow people to stay in touch with their loved ones and allow, say, the elderly to um, manage their, their final days in more comfortable surroundings, yeah. I'd say. But these aren't easy conversations, are they, though, Zach, when we're talking about end-of-life care, we're talking about advanced care planning, those kind of things. So what are some of the conversations around easing that when it comes to improving the discussion surrounding end-of-life care here in Singapore? So there are no easy mm. easy ways. I think some of the suggestions that uh, various groups have come up with, making the issue a bit relatable, video series, getting people to start thinking or looking at these issues at an earlier age. Some of them have even suggested a Gutai campaign, you know. Oh, well, that's roping interesting. In, okay. <laughs> a roping in community advocates, your shopkeepers, your nurses, even taxi drivers and hairstylists. Um, mm. The societies like Taiwan, say, or Japan, where some of these discussions are more open. And I guess it's, it's, it's once, once people are used to these uh, uncomfortable yet necessary discussions, I think managing or coping with the issues becomes a lot easier. So it's, a, it's about education and changing that and then perhaps uh, working with family members as well, because often perhaps some family members may not want to be seen as a burden when it comes to to end-of-life care as well. It can be quite a challenging discussion. That's right. And I think from the interviews that my colleague did with some of these elderly individuals, it was something that came out quite strongly in the interviews. They're very much concerned about the well-being of their own caregivers at the same time. That's actually something I just wanted to pick up on there, um, Zakir, is is the the caregiving element of it. It it takes such a toll uh, on, Mm -hmm. on caregivers. Um, physically, mentally, and and quite often financially as well. Uh, Do you think there will be more provisions uh, in all three aspects for caregivers? I think so. I think there have been some changes, you know. For instance, stuff like respite care has been made available or will be made available in greater amounts in the years to come. And I think, you know, funding, these have been talked about in previous budget debates. Mm. I think there's some hope that whether in the form of caregiving allowances, or even support and training for caregivers in the community. I think some of these could be small steps or small measures to to make these services more available to people in their neighborhoods. But I think they will make a bit of difference to the quality of life, especially for caregivers. And I think many of us will find ourselves in in this situation, especially as the caregiving uh, ratio um, decreases in the years ahead. Well, hopefully we may, may see some goodies come out of that for budget next week. Zakir, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Zakir Hussain, Singapore editor at The Straits Times. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.